This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. You know, the problem with starting with one of these Veep Thoughts is there's just nothing I can say that would be as powerful as whatever Kamala Harris just blurted out. Uh, go to blazetv.com slash stew to join Blaze TV. You can use the promo code stew to save 10 bucks. Veepthoughts.com is the, where the entire collection of Veep Thoughts moments lives. And you can, of course, share them with all of your friends. And they will love you for the guidance that Kamala Harris provides. Selena Zito joins us today on the Pennsylvania Senate race. It's a very interesting one. The Washington Post puts out a, another BS hit piece on our friend Glenn Beck. But we start by doing the Elon reaction. Elon Musk is buying the Twitters. Yes, it's true. And you might think to yourself as a conservative, you might think to yourself, you know, this is going to make Twitter better. And I'm here to tell you, you have not thought this out completely. You have not thought about all of the things that could possibly occur if Elon Musk takes over. You might be excited about all the hype around some billionaire getting control of a major media source. When have we ever seen anything like that in American history? There has never been a billionaire who owned some sort of media source that controlled the conversation. It's never occurred. But you probably have not considered all of the incredible negatives that could could happen if this goes through. Luckily, MSNBC is there to tell us exactly what those are. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates. No, no. All of its nominees. (gasps) Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. I never thought of any of that stuff. Did you ever think that possibly there was a, a thought that someone could maybe, I don't know, shadow ban some accounts, maybe target a specific party or ideology that they didn't like? 
Can you imagine if this occurred? This, my friends, is totally un-American. And I am terrified of what could happen if Elon Musk really does take over. Well, you know, look, he is the agreements in place. It looks like this is going forward. We should point out it hasn't actually occurred yet. I've been seeing a lot of people who have been tweeting their thoughts. Now I can tweet exactly what I believe, which may very well be true. Uh, However, it's not because Elon Musk owns the company really yet. The deal hasn't even gone through yet. But it did did not that, that little tiny fact did not stop everybody on the left from freaking out. And it was a lot of fun to watch. These people really took a lot of time to think out their positions before uttering them. For example, the dummy Elizabeth Warren tweeted, this deal is dangerous for our democracy. Billionaires like Elon Musk play by a different set of rules than everyone else, accumulating power for their own gain. We need a wealth tax and strong rules to hold big tech accountable. Now, it's interesting. Of course, the wealth tax is completely unconstitutional. We've talked about this on the program before. But the last time Elon Musk decided to use his wealth and power was not because, what did she say, Uh, because uh, he wanted to accumulate the power for his own gain. The last time he used his power was to create an electric car company to help try to solve the problem that you yourself say is the largest existential threat to humanity. That's what he did last time. I might not agree it's the largest existential threat to humanity, but, you know, uh, Liz Warren has put up many, many smoke signals that have told us that she believes that emissions are a big, big deal. Nobody on Earth has done more as an individual to fight global warming than Elon Musk. Gosh, it seems like the threat of free speech is a bigger deal than global warming. Now, doesn't it? If you actually believed it was the largest existential threat that we face as a a species, I don't know, maybe you'd forgive a couple of uh, nasty tweets here and there. But no, of course, the truth is the threat of someone speaking their mind is much, much greater than the global temperature increasing. And this is like, you know, we saw a lot of people embarrassing themselves over this. In fact, we saw... Many, many billionaires doing so. Jeff Bezos, who, of course, uh, is the owner of Amazon.com and the second richest man in the world behind Elon Musk. Uh, He, of course, also Amazon and The Washington Post. um, And he retweeted this. Someone tweeted, uh, apropos of nothing, Tesla's second biggest market in 2021 was China. Chinese battery makers are major suppliers of Tesla electric vehicles. After 2009, when China banned Twitter, the government there had almost no leverage over the platform. That may have just changed. Jeff Bezos echoed those comments and said, interesting question. Did the Chinese government just gain a bit of leverage over the town square? Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, and this is going to be a tester, but it's true, and I looked it up and everything. I spent some time doing some real research today, and I've noticed that Amazon.com does, in fact, sell Chinese products. Who would have thought? I wonder where the majority of the crap they sell on Amazon comes from. It couldn't possibly be China because he couldn't possibly be so hypocritical to call out Elon Musk when he's running a company that has uh, been making billions of dollars off of Chinese products for many, many years. Also, he owns the Washington Post, which has taken in millions of dollars from the Chinese government in advertisements that look like news. 
but are not news. They're just Chinese Communist Party propaganda. But that's totally fine. Don't look at that at all. Um, also, I've noticed a lot of the people complaining about uh, the possible impact of Elon Musk on Twitter and all the negatives that could possibly come to our country because of them seem pretty tight-lipped over the fact that the fastest growing social network in the history of the planet is run and owned by the Chinese Communist Party. I don't know. I feel like that might be a bigger issue. Here are the stats to back that up. Here is uh, the fastest uh, record time to go to a billion users. This is, of course, Facebook, 8.7 years. It took them. YouTube, it took 8.1 years. Instagram, 7.7 years. I, I want to say that's WeChat, maybe, uh, or uh, something like that. Some other network I definitely don't use. 7.1 years, uh, 6.2 years uh, for another one. And, of course, finally, TikTok. 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 5.1 years, faster than anybody else. You know who you don't see on that graph right there? Twitter, because Twitter isn't even at a billion users yet. It's a small player in comparison. Yes, we know. Media people like to read it. And this is where they have their little tea parties where they all hang out and they trade their little ideas and they slam people and they do their little thing and they get to tweet, 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 tweet all day. So it means a lot to them. But it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of other people. Maybe stepping up and doing something about the billion people who are on uh, TikTok talk should be a higher priority, especially considering the influence of the Chinese government, which insiders at TikTok say is extensive. That could be something to think about. The other thing to think about is that TikTok is annoying and I want it to go away, whether it's controlled by the Chinese government or not. I think it should go away because it's terribly, terribly annoying. That's just me. Uh, Elon Musk uh, was not shockingly uh, silent at this time. In fact, he was fighting with his other fellow billionaires, former richest man in the world, Bill Gates. Someone asked if a particular set of text messages were legitimate between Elon and Bill Gates, and Elon Musk confirmed that they were. Yeah, they are legitimate. I didn't leak it to the New York Times, though. They must have got it through friends of friends. I heard from multiple people at uh, TED that Gates still had a half billion dollar short against Tesla, which is why I asked him. So it's not exactly top secret. Here's how the text uh, exchanged uh, went between Gates and Musk. Uh, Musk asked, do you still have a half billion dollar short position against Tesla? Elon answered, or excuse me, Gates answered, sorry to say I haven't closed it out. I would like to discuss philanthropy possibilities. And Musk responded, sorry, I cannot take your philanthropy on climate change seriously when you have a massive short position against Tesla, the company doing the most to solve climate change. Yeah, it doesn't seem like these people take these things seriously. You know, it doesn't seem that way at all. It's a really shocking development, and uh, I guess we should be shocked by it at this point. Uh, Elon Musk is no conservative. He's not a guy that's going to back up all of your views. That's not who he is. It's not who he wants to be. He's just a guy who says, you know what? Free speech is okay. And luckily, he did get some backing from inside of Twitter. Now, Jack from Twitter has been an interesting character through all of this. He is, I would describe him at times as somewhat aloof from this entire debate. Uh, the, the debate that you know, conservatives tend to find most important when it comes to Twitter, which is you know, freedom of speech. A lot of times, I don't think he's very connected to it. Uh, he was obviously the founder of uh, Twitter. He was the guy who tweeted first. Uh, uh, but 
you know, he doesn't have a day-to-day control over it at this point. Um, but he did uh, comment on Elon Musk buying Twitter. Here's what he said. I love Twitter. Twitter is the closest thing we have to a global consciousness. Just quick side note here. Uh, I don't want us to have a global consciousness. I don't, we don't need that. That's not a thing we need. But Jack thinks we need it. He said, uh, the idea and service is all that matters to me, and I will do whatever it takes to protect both. Twitter as a company has always been my sole issue and my biggest regret. It has been owned by Wall Street and the ad model. Taking it back from Wall Street is the correct first step. In principle, I don't believe anyone should own or run Twitter. It wants to be a public good at the protocol level, not a company. Solving for the problem of it being a company, however, Elon is the singular solution I trust. I trust his mission to extend the light of consciousness. Now, I don't know what, frankly, I don't know what any of that means. (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, Elon's going to make Twitter better probably is just a a shorter way of saying something close to what he was saying there. But it is an interesting point that, you know, Jack, who, you know, he's a big cryptocurrency guy. He's no conservative, but he does have some libertarian leanings at times. And I look, the, the, the core of Twitter should be free speech. It should be. It was at one time, and that has gone away. And I think Elon Musk is going to do something to change that. And I think the market is seeing this as well. Uh, we had some really strange activity that happened largely on conservative accounts over the past 24 hours. I want to give you a few examples of this, as pointed out by uh, Nick Rizzuto. He says, uh, Glenn Beck added 6,000 370 followers in one day. And you can see some of his previous days there. You know, he lost 300 one day, gained 1,000 another day. Gaining 6,000 is pretty high for Glenn in in one day. Clay Travis, plus 6,364 in the same day. Uh, Jesse Kelly, plus 8,578 on the same day. Buck Sexton, plus 11,283 on the same day. Benny Johnson, plus 16,462 on the same day. And for a change of pace, the other way, a lot of liberals started losing followers. Uh, Reich, Robert Reich, uh, lost 4,304 on the same day. Now, there's some reasons for that. I think, number one, you could say maybe they're I I mean, this isn't Elon Musk getting the job and deciding to uh, add conservative accounts and and ban liberals or anything like that. It doesn't make any sense. He doesn't even have control of the company. Uh, You know, you could say there was an algorithm change, but that doesn't really make any sense really either. The only thing that kind of makes sense was two things, actually. One is that conservatives who left Twitter a while ago, maybe when Trump was banned or whatever, are coming back. They're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, that Twitter can be useful again to conservatives. And they're seeing that and they're coming back. And as they're reopening their accounts, all their previous follows are lighting up again in the positive direction. On the other side, a lot of liberals are saying, well, we don't like free speech all that much. So we're going to leave. And that's why liberal accounts are losing followers. The other thing that I think is true is that Robert Reich um, is an idiot. That's the... uh That's the other thing that is true. Here he is just a few months ago. Trump is suing Facebook, Twitter and Google for violating his First Amendment rights by keeping him off their platforms. Someone should remind him that they're private companies to which the First Amendment doesn't apply. Shockingly, that tune changed a few months later when it was going the other way. 
Musk, Elon Musk and his apologists say that if consumers don't like what he does with Twitter, they can go elsewhere. But where else would consumers go to post short messages that can reach millions of people other than Twitter? The free market increasingly reflects the demands of big money. Dumb. That's kind of where we are in our uh, in this debate. The back and forth has been fascinating to watch, but typical what you'd, you'd expect. Disappointing, filled with nonsense. But that's Twitter. I guess everything around Twitter uh, is going to have some of that. Look, the truth is that there are four things about Twitter that will likely change with Elon Musk arriving, only one of which people are actually talking about. And there's also one that's already happening in plain view before he even takes control. First is the one that everyone's talking about, free speech. Yes, I do think that this will help. I think Elon Musk will improve uh, the censorship policies, all of the nonsense that conservatives have been complaining about for a long time with Twitter. Elon Musk will probably make that better. I do want to warn you, however, even in the interviews that Elon Musk has done about taking over Twitter, uh, he said, we're still going to be moderating content. We're still going to be giving people timeouts. He said he wanted to do less permanent bans, but he still wanted to do timeouts. The, the, the probable end to this is when it comes to free speech, I think conservatives are expecting this hero coming down from the clouds. And in reality, what they're going to get is an improvement. And I think when conservatives get banned, when they get timeouts, they're going to be pissed off thinking this problem was solved. It's not going to be perfect. And it's possible that you like Elon Musk a little bit less than you do now when he starts implementing these policies. But I think the general direction and the general experience will be better. Second thing that is going to change with Twitter is that Twitter will now be, I don't know, a business. People forget this about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the richest person in the world, not because he believes in free speech. Elon Musk is the richest person in the world, not because he believes in global warming. Elon Musk is the richest person in the world because he's really freaking smart and he knows how to make a company make money. This is the biggest missed opportunity of the tech era. Twitter being available for 40 some odd billion dollars is a complete failure for Twitter. This, this company should be worth much, much more with all the attention and influence that it has. And Elon Musk is going to find a way to make more money out of this company. Uh, it's gonna be a private company. You might not know all those details, but he's going to generate a lot of cash through this process. Third thing that's gonna change about Twitter is the technology. This is another one that no one's talking about. You know, I keep hearing this thing, like, look, what Elon Musk is going to do, he's not really going to change it much. It's going to be pretty much the same thing. You're not going to even notice the difference. I don't buy that at all. When's the last time you saw Elon Musk touch anything and not really notice the difference? Elon Musk is going to change how Twitter operates. He's going to add new features. The technology is going to be better. It's going to be a much better user experience. If he's focused on this at all, this is going to be a much improved product over time, just as a technology product. I'm not even talking about the free speech thing. The free speech thing is great, and it's what we're all talking about, and that's fantastic. But it's also going to make Twitter a better place and a better experience overall. If you've ever been in a Tesla, you realize you might not like electric cars, but the technology inside of Tesla is eons ahead of every other car company. You know, it really is. It's incredible what, what he's done. It's a computer on wheels, and the thing actually runs, unlike, you know, Bill Gates's Microsoft Outlook that every time I open it, it crashes my computer. Finally, fourth, the last thing that will change when it comes to Twitter 
is that the left is going to reveal itself. And this one is one we're already seeing. The left's collective freakout over a guy who is promising nothing more than some more free speech shows exactly what they want from social media. They want control. They don't care about you expressing your opinion. They want their opinions to be amplified and they want your opinions to be silenced. Elon Musk isn't promising, uh, you know, or honestly even desiring a conservative revolution on Twitter. He just wants people to be able to say what they want and, importantly, to actually be able to understand the rules. He also wants to make a lot of money. Free speech, capitalism, and doing what you want. What could be more American than that? And what could be less American than opposing it? So the three-week rule might be the best financial advice you've ever heard. What is the three-week rule? Well, wait three weeks to buy a new car. I've done the eight-month rule. When I ordered my car, I just decided to wait eight months. Three weeks, not even close to enough for me. Wait three weeks to refinance your home mortgage or buy a new home, maybe to finance any major purchase. Just wait three weeks. Why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average ScoreMaster user can boost his or her credit score by an average of 61 points. And 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars on some big purchase. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you thought possible. ScoreMaster is easy. It takes only about a minute to get started, and you don't have to wait months for your best credit score. Try ScoreMaster for free right now. You can see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. Go to scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome Selena Zito back to the program. She's the co-author of The Great Revolt Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics, which is a great read. You can pick up a copy today. Selena, how's it going? Hey there. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, you Thanks are, so yeah, you control, or you, you cover Pennsylvania kind of <laughs> unlike anybody else. Uh, you, you have been on the road there forever, just really knowing the, kind of ins and outs of everything going on there. And I think Pennsylvania, this cycle, it has one of the most interesting Senate primaries on the Republican side between, you know, Pennsylvania and Ohio, probably the two most prominent. Um, can Before we get into your piece here, which was, I thought, fascinating about the reaction to the endorsement uh, from Donald Trump, can you kind of give us a, a lay of the land? Who are the candidates and you know, what does it look like right now? So first of all, thanks for having me on. And I would never want the job of controlling Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think it's controllable. It would be, you know, it would be too much fun, actually. Mm. <laughs> um, so the candidates on the Republican side, by the way, I think the Democrat primary is as equally fascinating. Mm. Um, but on the, Dem on the Republican side, it's Dr. Oz, Dr. Mehmet Oz. He was a celebrity heart surgeon who was on for years on um, the Oprah show. I had never watched Oprah, so I was not as aware of him as a lot of other people were. <laughs> uh, he has spent most of his life living in New Jersey and um, most of his career um, on television. Uh, then there's Dave McCormick. Dave McCormick is a Washington County, which is 
you know, about 30 miles outside of Pittsburgh, Washington County, small town is called Little Washington. Um, he, he was there for about eight years of his life. His dad took a job as a um, educator and then the president of Bloomberg College in Bloomberg, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, think Scranton up in that direction, sort of diagonally across from Pittsburgh. He was there until he was 18. He was a student athlete. He ended up um, uh, going to West Point. Uh, and there he went, um, became a, uh, went to Ranger School, served in the Gulf War, uh, earned a Bronze Star. He was a combat veteran. And then after his service in the military, came back home. He ran a company in Pittsburgh. It was called Free Markets. Uh, it was an early internet company uh, that did online auctions for big businesses. Uh, and then went and served in the Bush administration as undersecretary to Treasury, and um, then went into the private sector after that. He earned his way up in, um, in Bridgewater um, to eventually becoming co-CEO and then CEO on, on outright. Yeah, I mean, a CEO and, of the largest hedge fund in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then there is Kathy Barnett. She is a political political commentator, uh, followed by Jeff Bartos, who is a real estate developer. He was on the governor's ticket in 2018 uh, for Republican uh, with uh, Scott Wagner. They did they did not win. And then Jeff. Oh, and and then um, Carlos Sands, who's the former ambassador to Denmark. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a crowded field. Um, now, most of the attention has gone on uh, with McCormick and Dr. Oz. Uh, and you wrote a piece. It's, it's, you don't want this necessarily to be the title of the piece if you, after you've made an endorsement. But it says, what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvania conservatives react to Trump's support of Oz. And it's interesting to see, you know, obviously there's a lot of similarities between Donald Trump and, and Mehmet Oz, uh, where. You know, they both came from a, uh, a very public uh, uh, career. They were uh, very, very well known. Uh, they had a lot of, uh, you know, seemingly liberal policies and beliefs in, in their past, uh, but then had come to what they kind of describe as a conservative awakening of sorts. Um, when you talk to conservatives on the ground in Pennsylvania, they didn't really understand this endorsement, however, did they? No, they did not. Um, you know, I, as soon as he made the endorsement, I was, I was like, huh, I was a little skeptical about how conservatives in my home state would feel about this. I had been out on the road with both of those candidates, uh, did lengthy profiles on both of them, and found that the candidate that most attracted. Co um, conservative populist was McCormick. Uh, he had he had done sort of that hard, old-fashioned work of going out and doing these really small events and or just stopping into places, shaking hands, introducing himself, telling people he was running and asking for their votes. And, and Pennsylvania voters, Democrat and Republican, um, well, they don't expect you to show up in their living room like Iowa caucus voters do. They do, however, expect you to show up in his, their county. And that's the success that I saw that McCormick was having. So Oz was sort of doing these like 
wonderful, like Ellen DeGeneres type talk show events. Mm. And while they're entertaining, I wasn't seeing him earning votes in the way that McCormick was. So when when Trump made the announcement, I got on the phone. I got I talked for so long to people that I lost my voice for 10 days, <laughs> just trying to understand how people felt at the county level about um, my cat is trying to come on the table and trying to pull her. <laughs> I'm trying to hold her unsuccessfully your off. Ca- your cat is totally welcome on the air with us at any okay. time. Uh, let her in. That's um, totally fine. There and, she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways. Um, and and so, you know, I called all 67 counties. Mm-hmm. Took me hours uh, and talked to people that either were county executives, not county executives, like county party chair people or people that had been involved in a grassroots level. And and while I would say a little less than half of them hadn't sort of made their decision, their decision was not Oz. Mm. And and so the title, What the Hell You Were Thinking, was essentially what I heard from, uh, or what the hell was he thinking, was essentially what I heard. What I, I will say what really insulted voters was the reasons that Trump gave for endorsing um, um, Oz. He went to Harvard. That doesn't really matter to, to conservatives. He's a New York Times bestseller. Also does not matter to conservatives. That he was on TV also does not matter to conservatives, in particular, the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, And that he told uh, uh, former President Trump that he looked like he was in good health. Also, I mean, this is like a really exciting, energizing year. I've been all over the country interviewing people and Republicans are so excited, but policy matters to them. I don't think that celebrity does. Donald Trump was a very unique person in history. He was not the result. He was not the cause of that um, conservative populist coalition forming. However, he was the result. But that doesn't mean lightning strikes twice. Conservatives want a reason to show up. Mm -hmm. and, And they want you to be authentic in your beliefs. And, and I don't think, and I think that's why there, there's a hesitancy about Oz because they don't believe it's genuine. Uh, so, because this is such a crucial race for Republicans. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's one that Pat Toomey is leaving. Uh, he's, you know, going away from the Senate. Uh, but, you know, this is, we've gone over the, the races here and kind of boiled down the early map. And there's about five toss-up races uh, that the Republicans are going to have to win two or three of those five to get control of the Senate. This is a crucial race. And you look at, you know, do we have any understanding as to why Dr. Oz was the pick here? I mean, are, is he, have they been friends for a long time? Is there something that maybe Donald Trump they knows have, that we don't? There, they have been friends. Uh, I think that played a big role in it. There is also a, a TV host whose name I was not going to be re- repeated, who is also very good friends with him, mm. who was very persuasive in in this in this decision. And I think ultimately endorsements should come from if you're going to endorse in a race, no matter who you are, 
You need to come and talk to the people in the state and find out what they're what is important to them. Look, this is no different than 2014 when Barack Obama came out supporting Arlen Specter mm. as a Democrat for Pennsylvania Democrats. And they're like, that's not happening. And and Specter lost in that in that race by, I think, six, seven. I mean, it was a landslide. He lost to Joe Sestak. And so I think if, if and I and I wrote at the time, I said, look, Barack Obama, if he's going to make an endorsement, he better understand, it not, better not be about him. It was. It, it better be about Pennsylvania Democrats. It wasn't. Mm. And, and, and I think that Donald Trump has put himself in that same position. Uh, you know, and I think why, I, why it's important to understand why um, this race matters, um, it, it, the Democratic primary race matters, is because the Democrats are well on their way to, uh, to nominating John Fetterman, the former Braddock mayor and current lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he, you can usually find him in a bowling shirt and cargo pants. He's got tattoos up, of, up and down his arms, and he looks like a linebacker. He's six foot eight. Um, he, he is going to best Connor Lamb, who everyone assumed would win this nomination. Mm. So y- you want to have a strong um, uh, uh, candidate for the Republicans who is going to uniquely capture that coalition that I outlined in my book, which is a variety of different people. And and um, it, it appears to me that that conservatives across the state think that is McCormick and not Oz. Now, mm-hmm. we'll have Oz gotten a bump from this. We haven't seen any public polls yet, or if there are any. I think there was one. He did get a bump. But I don't know if that's temporary. These kinds of bumps traditionally are. Right, right. Endorsements um, usually and, don't swing the race, although Trump has had real, you know, pull in some of these races, at least. Uh, let me ask you. Yeah, ask yeah but well, down in Georgia, that hasn't mattered. No. Brian Kemp is going to win yeah. hugely. Yeah. To, to quote the former president, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Al- um, Alabama as well. Uh, you know, he Alabama. pulled his endorsement because uh, um, Mo Brooks was not going to win. Uh, there's yeah. there's been a few of those for sure. You know, it, it, in a close race, it could make a difference. Let me ask you one more that here, Selena, before we leave, though. We've got about a, about a minute. Um, it, it, let's talk about McCormick for, for a second, because his, as you out, laid out there, his resume is incredibly impressive. Uh, and, it, you know, it and it's not like... I think there's a temptation to see this race as this guy who kind of comes from this, you know, finance world and is right. the traditional Republican versus the MAGA Republican of Dr. Oz. But like his wife, he's married to Dina Powell, who served in right. uh, the Trump administration. It seemed like for a while Trump may very well endorse McCormick. How, how is McCormick dealing with this change in the race? I think he's been well. I don't. I don't think McCormick ever expected Trump to endorse him. I think maybe what he hoped was that there would be no endorsement at all. That he would mm. come in and say, you know, you've got great candidates. You know, do whatever you want to do. Right. Um, 
but that didn't turn out to be the case. And, and I think Oz's challenge is, because he's been on television so long, there is a archive of, of things that he has said that, that sort of put in doubt his conservative credentials. And, and that's the challenge. Dr. Oz's worst problem isn't David Cormick, it's Dr. Oz. Mm, that's really interesting. This is going to be a fascinating one to watch. We know, however, at least the mainstream media is going to come in if Dr. Oz wins the nomination and heap praise on him as the first Muslim uh, Senate candidate. I'm sure the media is going to fully embrace him as a Republican. That's going to be just as important as it would be for a Democrat. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way this works. Selena <laughs> uh, Zito, co-author of The Great Revolt, Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And, and Selena's reporting is always awesome. And she's on top of all this stuff more than anybody else you're ever going to hear from. So please follow Selena and make sure to check out all of her stuff. Selena, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks. And people, I don't do social media, so if they want to check out the stuff that I'm writing, they can just go to selenazito.com where they'll find me and my cat. <laughs> your cat was the star of the show today, Selena. No offense, but I your cat stole really the show. Her at bay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Selena, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Kamala Harris has COVID-19. It's true. She has COVID. She has not been close to the president as they've been traveling separately and they also don't want to see each other. But uh, she has COVID. And what better way to say thank you uh, to Kamala Harris for all of her service uh, as a uh, as a politician and leader of this country than to visit VeepThoughts.com right now. VeepThoughts.com. You can see a giant collection of all the incredible knowledge, the Life's work of Kamala Harris in one place, VeepThoughts.com. You heard one at the beginning, uh, and it was of uh, this particular program, incredible knowledge. And this is the time when she's not feeling well to upper spirits and get thousands and thousands of followers to VeepThoughts.com to watch all of her commentary. Uh, by the way, there's a piece in the Washington Post about Glenn Beck. Kind of. Uh, calling Democrats like Biden fascists has always been false. Glenn Beck is resurrecting rhetoric that has long falsely targeted Democratic presidents. Most of it is just like a crap heap of, uh, you know, I read the first 10 pages of Glenn's book. All the quotes seem to be from the first 10 pages of the book, shockingly. Um, obviously, you didn't read the book. And it's just, you know, kind of the standard critique of we swear Democrats don't look, aren't what they look like. Uh, totally something uh, different. I did love this part at the end, though. Um, ironically, given his warnings about fascism, Beck told his radio listeners just before the January 6th, 2021 insurrection to rip and claw and rake and go to war in an effort to overturn the 2020 election results and keep Trump in power. First of all, this is patently false. This is not what he was doing at all. But it's so bad. Just to tell you, he legitimately went on national radio on January 5th and said, don't go to the rally. That is legitimately what actually happened. He, yet, and that was when it was just a rally. It wasn't the January 6th riots yet. It was just a rally around the corner. And he said, it's not a good idea. Don't even go. It's going to be a mess. He said that on national radio the day before it occurred. And the summary from the Washington Post is that Glenn was encouraging it. This is how dishonest they are. We told you about this with the Taylor Lorenz at the Washington Post. And, you know, uh, we've seen it with The New York Times and so many other places. A complete 
an utter collapse of credibility. That is your media, America. Legend has it that once there was a line of fashionable and customizable belts, and these belts were made in America. They could be gotten at a reasonable price. And I'm here to tell you that these legends, they're true. I've seen it with my own eyes. And you can, too, if you visit grip6.com slash stew. Grip6 is a small company in Utah that sells uh, in the United States and all over the world. But it sources almost everything it uses to make its products in America. Their belts are minimalist. They're not just jutting out of your shirt. And they're really cool. They're customizable. You can uh, you do laser etched designs and logos and flags. They've also got carbon fiber as well that will help you when you're going through the airport a lot. But I mean, like to the point of like in our socks, they have great socks as well. They're wool. And this wool is sourced from America. Uh, everyone tells you you can't get do that. It's not impossible. Well, Grip6 found a way to do it, and they're doing it every single day. Grip6.com slash stew. Belts, wallets, uh, socks, awesome stuff. Grip6.com slash stew. If you use the code stew, you're going to give you 15% off uh, right now. Grip6.com slash stew. Grip, the number six, dot com slash stew, and get 15% off today. Just like a bunch of other conservatives, I'm getting a big influx of new people on the Twitters. I wonder what's going on. Uh, kind of a big day on Twitter. Uh, but I want to remind you as well that Facebook is going on as well. Uh, that's, that's still alive. And Facebook is actually, we've been having record weeks on Facebook over the past few uh, weeks. And we do appreciate when you check out Facebook. Uh, and we post a lot of stuff there. If you want to make sure you actually see it, though, there's something that you can do. Just a quick step. Uh, basically, all you got to do is mark the Studas America page as a favorite account. If you open up the Facebook app, you look for the follow button on the top of my page. If you click on it, you'll see favorites has been added as an option. Click on favorites, and then all you have to do is make sure you set Stu Bergier, that's, that's me, by the way, uh, as one of your favorite accounts to follow. It's pretty simple, uh, but in, it also gets you around uh, the big tech control. Elon's not here to save you on Facebook. You don't have to depend on Zuckerberg, I guess, there. Uh, or you can depend on yourself by just making sure that you uh, select this particular program as a favorite on Facebook. Do it today. Also, on YouTube, you can follow us, uh, youtube.com slash America. All of our shows are posted there. You can comment during the show. We do appreciate when you do that. And make sure to click the little bell that will alert you when Stu Does America Plus is in order. That's right. CNN Plus, that failed. Stu Plus, still alive. It's still working well. We're doing live uh, kind of uh, pop-up sort of new, uh, you know, uh, shows that we kind of do here and there, uh, depending on if there's news breaking or whatever, maybe a Q&A. So if you do the little, click the little bell, you'll get alerted when those things actually happen at youtube.com slash stewdoesamerica. Uh, here's some comments from the yesterday's show. The president is asleep at the wheel. The media is resting her eyes in the passenger seat. The disengaged American public fell asleep while watching a movie in the back seat. All the rest of us are tied up, screaming from the trunk. Yes, that is exactly where we are. Five stars for the Joe Biden gaff triangle of emotion. Yes, five freaking stars. Love watching Brian Stelter go through the first stage of the five stages of grief. I mean, this is going to be a long process for Brian. Remember, he was like the centerpiece of CNN Plus. They gave him a show five days a week, and that lasted like three weeks. So I think he did 15 shows before he got canceled. You'd like to last longer than that. As a person who's been in the media for a long time, that's a suboptimal launch of a particular program. Back in a second. Stu Plus. Yes, the brand new network from me. 
is available now. Uh, at least the mug is. Go to stewdoesmerch.com and get it. It's the Stu Plus mug. Not making fun of CNN at all. I want to make sure that's totally clear. And get all the merch from the show there, including Nancy Pelosi Sucks Pens, uh, which are in stock right now. Uh, stewdoesmerch.com. And if you use the code Stu10, you will save 10% off your merch. Get it now. Um, this really has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I'm obsessed with it and want to try it. There is an article out today about separating an English muffin. This is not something I'm capable of doing. Every time I try to do it, I screw it up. I might try a knife and try to cut the middle of it, but that flattens out the nooks and crannies. You don't want that to happen. Then you have the situation where you try to rip it apart and kind of slowly move your way to the middle, and that's the best way I can come up with. No, no, this is how you're actually supposed to do it. Your fingers are along the sides of the muffin and gently squeeze the sides inwards And then as you're squeezing the sides, rotate the muffin. The center of the muffin will start to buckle outwards, and you turn it around, and once you're done, it separates perfectly. All I'm going to do tonight is do this over and over and over again.